What's happening, guys? It's 1.30 in the morning here. Burning the midnight oil. I had just finished the second recording of the Wheatland Fitness Podcast. And thank you all for tuning in to the second edition, third recording. Uh, it seems that uh, I forgot to press save on the last one. But uh, that's all good because uh, nothing wrong with doing a little bit of a warm-up here. Going to be talking about foundation. Um, it's the second go, so I'm hoping it should be a good one here for you guys. A little bit better than the uh, first podcast there yesterday. And thank you to everyone who has listened in on that. Um, but let's get to today. So like I said, we're going to be touching on or I'm going to be speaking about foundation. What, uh, what does it mean? What does it involve? How is it important? Um, this is a big category, a big topic. There's lots that I could talk about on this. Uh, for those of you that do follow me on social media, notice a lot of my posts uh, have been geared towards talking about foundation work. Um, a lot of the training that I've been doing has been revolving around that kind of stuff. So it's something that I'd like to talk about and uh, could expand upon in future podcasts. But for the purpose of today, uh, I'm going to stay under the uh, category that we worked under yesterday, and that's for be- getting started. So for beginners or people that uh, you know you've been you've been inactive for some time and you're getting fired up again um, you know it's it's a good place to, to start out for people that haven't uh, been active so a lot of times we jump right into programs um, without realizing hey there's there's a whole phase here that we gotta that we gotta do first you want to get started right and that's uh, gonna lead towards future success so let me get into it here guys I'm gonna get my notes proper and we're gonna get into talking about foundation for beginners getting started Alrighty, so foundation, uh, where do we start off with? Well, the first place to start off with would be defining it for the purposes of what we're going to talk about because as with uh, anything in fitness, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of different schools of thought. Um, no, each one is necessarily the best one. It's very, it's, it's variable. Um, there's a lot of biological variants that exist within human beings. So what works for you might not work for the other guy. So. Uh, for our purpose, though, and what we're going to be talking about and uh, visiting, I'm defining foundation in this category as your base level of fitness. So where are we starting off? What, what are you able to do? What, what movements? Um, you know, how, does your body, how does your body move? How does it and how long does it move? So with that involves a couple different things. Um, first thing I've listed here is your flexibility. So your, your general ability to move and have your body move in sync. With, with other parts of the body, you know, um, things like something like being able to touch your toes, right? That, that's a common way to, uh, something I've, I've yet to accomplish or I've accomplished very, very rare times in my life, but uh, it's, it's, it's important to have that, right? If, you, if, you're, if you're tense and you're not able to move, again, I could expand on this point, but, you know, for a general rule, if you're not flexible, you're, you're not going to be in the optimal operating capacities that your body is able to do, aka it's going to be harder for you to move. Um, so with flexibility also involves the range of motion. Range of motion commonly refers to you know your joints and and the range of motion that they have. Um, you know is your is your knee? Are you able to move your knee completely back and forth and under load? Um, you know the knee is is a one way type joint. It moves back and forth. Your wrist moves around. Your shoulders again they articulate. They go around. So you want to make sure that you have the full range so that you're able to perform the full movements that that joint is tasked with. If not, 
that's a sign there's some issues. You got to get on that because that's going to, how our range of motion is and our flexibility play huge critical roles in our ability to move, right? And that's the whole real kind of foundation of what we're doing with fitness in itself is getting moving, keeping moving. Um, so with that also, okay, so your flexibility, your range of motion, key points, you want to check those out, know what's going on. Uh, cardiovascular fitness, okay, so what's your cardio at? How, you know, how, how long can you move when you're exercising or you're exerting yourself and you're performing movement, you're, you're performing an activity? How long can that go on? Um, that's a good measure of your cardiovascular fitness. Again, there's other things that play a role, but for the most part, um, you know, how long is your body able to operate you know, when it's using oxygen? Cardiovascular fitness, there you go. Uh, with cardiovascular fitness, you also want to obviously make, check in and see what your physical fitness is. Physical fitness in this sense here, um, we're looking at your muscle endurance and your muscle strength. Um, strength can also sometimes, depending on where you're reading, can also fall under endurance. You know, it's how, how strong are your muscles that they're able to perform and then strength, you know, is more of a measure of, of power or you have all three things separate. Um, but for our ex explanations purposes, I'm just going talking in the sense of think about what movements you can do, the number of times and against how much resistance. Okay, so that's a good way to kind of think of physical fitness in terms of, you know, what, what found, foundation work and just your general, general level of fitness. Um, okay, so moving on here, I, I touched on it, movements, right? So part of your physical fitness, you know, cardiovascular boils into the, you know, the muscular endurance part of how many times can you do that? Those two play hand in hand. Um, but what are the movements, right? The movements in terms of foundation. Uh, you'll hear different, t different terms, but you'll hear fundamental movements, fundamental movement patterns, primal movements. Um, basically what those are are just your, your, the key ways your body is built to move. They're the things, the movements that we can perform and that we perform on a daily basis, um, typically. First example, again, there's, I have seven here. That's kind of a, 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 an accepted amount. There's, there's a couple of varying different, uh, varying schools of thought and definitions that, you know, I've seen some for nine, I've seen some for five, for six, but for purposes of this podcast, I'm going with seven. Um, so we're looking at squat for, for starters. That's our squat, our lunge, our hinge. Uh, I'll touch on these when I go a little bit more into each category. Uh, your push, your pull, rotate or like torsion control. And your gait, which I'll, again, I'll touch on that more in depth in, in a couple seconds here. So first up is the squat. All right, so a squat would be a good kind of way to explain it in simple sense is you have a chair behind you, your legs are, are you know, you're, you're back to the chair and you control the motion. You, you don't just flop into the seat, but you let yourself sit down into that chair without using your arms, bending at the knees, dropping your torso and your hips behind the front part of your body and lowering yourself down towards the chair. The, op the top part of that motion would be you getting up out of the chair, pushing just off your legs, keeping your chest up and your hands in this sense, you can keep them just on your thighs, not, in not using them to engage in the motion. So that's basically a squat right there, right? Now, the full range of motion, um, again, you wanna be able to, to continue that with strength moving your, keeping your knees behind your toes and dropping your, your, your torso as low to the ground as you can. Um, typically that's, if you have full range of motion, you should be able to, to get almost to the floor. Um, but you want to keep, when you do that motion, you want to make sure you, again, the knees are behind your toes, 
the the power is coming from the heels for the most part, the heels to the to the middle of your foot, and then also um, you're keeping your torso upright. The torso general rule is you want to make sure that your torso matches the angle of your shins. So all the movement is happening at the knees, moving behind the shins, and your torso is matching the angle from your heel up to your knee. All right, so. Um, what are some exercises that uh, that are a good way to kind of build our squat uh, our squat movement? Um, if you're able to do a, a body weight squat, and that's just going over that form that I just uh, explained there, uh, without weight, and you're able to perform it with strength, with proper range of motion, you know you're not wobbling, everything's all good, you're in control of the motion. That's a good one to do. Um, if it's a little bit difficult, and again, even if you're you're doing a little bit of wobbles, if you're able to pr- perform the movement safely and properly and it just takes a little bit of you know a little bit of work to to get it down pat hey get in get on it but make sure you're performing it safely again um i didn't touch on it before but if you are getting started um a good thing guys a little pretext to everything here that i should have noted is if you're going to invest in a trainer this would be a great opportunity to do that um i got a little bit ahead here with you know identifying your 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 levels of fitness and and those things off the hop um, things like your flexibility and such, y- you want to make sure that you, you have the right information. So a fitness assessment and stuff like that's really important, but uh, I'll get into that a little bit more. So with that, you want to make sure you're, you're performing movement safely. If you can, awesome. If not, there's little movements like um, exercise, like box squats. Great way to, to do that. Box squat is basically the, the example that I just gave with having that chair, but you're doing it multiple times. So you have a bench or a chair or something behind you, you know, a, a jumping platform, one of those boxes that you see at the gyms. You want to have it low enough so that it's just at about 90 degrees or even possibly a little bit lower if you want to challenge yourself um, behind you. So what you're going to do is you're going to sit back in that bottom half of the squat form, bring in your butt down. And as soon as you feel that that box or that bench there, if you're able to continue the motion and stand back up by pushing your feet down, you know, imagine like you're pushing yourself out of that chair, not using your hands, keeping your torso up. That's awesome if you have to rest and then reset yourself, get up. Whatever you gotta do to do those movements in full control um, and as safely as possible, that's what you do. And then you build on it and you do a little bit better every time. You make that form and that technique, you get it down. You get it down to where you're not resting or stopping once you hit the bench, that you're able to tap it. And the next step is not being able to have the bench there at all. You control the full motion. You're, you're, you're in control. You're guiding what, where your body's going and the resistance isn't telling you what to do. You're in control. All right, so uh, another example too, if uh, a good way that you can also build up if box squats get kind of boring and if it's not, uh, you don't have any... Um, restricting injuries for this a good or a good exercise to also engage in is the wall sit so imagine like you're sitting in that chair chairs not there but your backs against the wall and you're holding that at a place like fit body uh, where I work uh, coaching some classes in the evening that's an exercise we encompass a lot of times in our workouts and we get people going for about 30 seconds of work holding that position holding that uh, that pose, so to speak, and then they get 15 seconds of rest. So that kind of gives you a ballpark. Just if you're pushing yourself and going to uh, to 100% of what you can do, awesome. Do that too. But again, don't uh, don't push yourself past. You know, if you're if you're feeling something, you know, sharp pains and that, you don't want to be doing that either. That's counterproductive. So 
Um, that's just another example of an exercise you can do for uh, that it works on your squat technique. Next one up I have is your lunge. So lunge is where squat your your feet are underneath your shoulders. In a in a lunge, your feet the front leg is in front of your body, the back leg is planted behind your your so your feet are away from your hips, front and back. Um, we're bringing our torsos down to the ground. So the bottom of our hips, you know, our butts down. So what we're doing there, we're using our legs. We're not bending at the waist, we're bending our legs, dropping our torsos down with our chest upright. Uh, general rule for safety and, and proper technique is both legs are bent at 90 degrees. So the front leg is the top part of your thigh is the top part of the angle. Your shin completes the bottom part that touches on the ground. Shin's facing you know, the, the forward direction. The back leg, your thigh is facing the same way as your front shin and your um, planted leg, the shin is parallel with the ground. For the most part, it's not gonna be parallel, but it just gives you an idea, right? You create that angle. You don't necessarily want your knees touching the ground. You're in control the whole way, but that's that's giving you an idea of, of how to look at. There's lots of images, again, you can pull up. Um, I'll be posting some images in regards to this podcast on my Instagram, so you guys can check that out, Tweety11, W-H-E-A-T-Y 11. Uh, I'll have some images from the podcast here, like lunge technique. So uh, getting on with it, with your lunge, you want to make sure uh, some good exercises for this would obviously be your single leg lunge. So it's where you have that front leg out in front, bent at 90 degrees, your back leg is up on a bench or some sort of uh, platform or something you can keep your foot up. And again, you're just dropping dropping your, your torso down by bending, keeping your knee behind the toes. And your torso can be straight up and down. If you want to work different parts of your legs, uh, there's little adaptations you can do. But again, guys, this is for beginners, this part podcast. We can get into more of that kind of stuff in future podcasts. Um, another good example of this one, if uh, lunges are kind of hard for you to do, step-ups are a good way to, to, to get the same sort of work. You want to make sure that you're controlling, you're, you're pushing yourself up, getting into that step, raising your, uh, your body higher to the ceiling. You want to make sure you're in control of that motion, but also make sure you're going back down slow and controlled too. You're the boss the whole way. I say that a lot of times. You, when you're working out, you're performing movements, you're the one guiding where things are going. Don't let the resistance tell you where it's going. Be in control the whole time. You're the boss. All right, so those are uh, some examples for lunges. Gonna get to, I'll try to get through this a little quicker here with these guys. Um, I have the next one up is a hinge. Hinge is basically your, your deadlift technique. So another thing I do for coaching, imagine like you guys are standing up, your feet are shoulder width apart. Yes, I am actually doing this in my room at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> We're gonna stand there, you're gonna have your hands on your hips. We're gonna keep our chest facing straight up, torso square, and you're just gonna, with two fingers, push your hips back, keeping your chest upright, looking forward at the wall. All right, so that right there is a hinge. That's the first part of the hinge motion. You're gonna take those hands, put them on your back with your hips or your butt, and keeping your shoulders upright, your chest forward, you're gonna push your butt forward. On the hips, push back, on the butt, push forward. That's your hinge technique, okay? So you wanna have your hips going back behind you, keeping your chest up, and you wanna have a rounded, a reverse curve. So not that rounded back, you want your chest, your shoulders facing up, and a curve going opposite of rounding your back. Uh, you want that way, it keeps your back stable, less chance of injury, and more power as well. If you're doing proper technique, it's not just safety, it's, it's safe because it's stronger. Our bodies are meant to move that way. It's what it's designed for, it's what years of evolution, thousands and thousands of years of evolution have built us. 
opinions definitely or <laughs> we'll go with that i'm not going to touch on that but you know what i'm saying um you know our bodies are built to move a certain way so proper technique is more than just safety it makes the movements easier because we're, we're using the proper muscles and we have the proper power behind the movement all right so some good examples of exercises that we can do for that um you know engage the hinge motion would be like back extensions right um deadlifts obviously you know single leg deadlifts your straight leg deadlifts good mornings uh what a good morning is if you guys have seen it um Again, check the Instagram for posts if you guys need uh, links to videos. By all means, reach out to me. I can always set you guys up with uh, with some quality content. Um, but a back or a good morning would be basically where you're doing a deadlift, same sort of motion, but the weight is on your back, like you would have it in a squat, uh, like a like an Olympic bar squat, and you're just bringing your hips behind you, bringing those shoulders down, bringing your back or bringing those hips forward, bringing your torso back up. All right, so. That gives you an example there, guys. Our next two ones, these ones I can get through quickly, we have our push and our pull. So pushes would be also anything that you're doing in, is, that's a press, for the most part, pardon me, uh, chest press, right? A shoulder press, um, leg press, push-ups. You're pushing away from your body. So you're moving resistance. The resistance is, is pushing away from, you're pushing it away from your body. All right, so with that, um, like I say, I just gave an example, push-ups, chest press, shoulder press, um, those kind of movements. Um, the opposite of that would be your pull, right? A lot of times you're pushing, you're engaging your chest muscles, your, your uh, triceps, your shoulders, all that. Now, pulls a lot of time, those engage muscles of your back, your biceps, your hamstrings. Um, so some of the good examples there would be rows, right? So, you know, seated rows, single arm cable rows, upright rows, um, close grip, wide grip, all those kind of things. Those, those guys, anything where you're pulling in towards your body. So you're, the movement is coming towards your body. All right. That is a pull that also would be things like curls, you know, bicep curls, hammer curls, hamstring curls. Um, those movements are also pulls. Then the next two and the last two I'm going to touch on here are rotate. Uh, so with rotate torsion control, um, a good example for that just kind of give you an idea, we're rotating at our hips. So our shoulder and our hip of the same side is moving away from each other. So think of you're walking down the street, someone yells your name, and you're turning to check over your shoulder. That's your rotate motion, all right? Um, good exercise for that to consider would be like a, a V-sit and twist. So you're holding a V-sit, meaning your butts are on the ground, your legs are up in the air, straight or knees bent, if, if straight as best as possible, being a nice guy. And your torso's up off the ground in the opposite angle, your shoulders in the air. You're holding that, again, whatever you gotta do to make that happen. If you gotta put your feet up on a platform, something like that, that's fine. Or even if you're just starting slow with keeping your heels on the ground and our torso's still up and we're twisting side to side. So we're bringing, let's say, our right elbow across our body into our left pocket. All right, it's a good way to kind of think of it. It's how I like to coach it. So. Um, just kind of keep that in consideration. That's also part of our fundamental movement patterns. And then lastly here that I'm listing is your gait. And that's G-A-I-T. And basically what that is, it's just, it's how you walk. It's your steps and your, your movement patterns and the steps you take when you're walking. Um, what I want to touch on with this is just, you know, human beings, we've been around for, for as long as we have. And, and walking is, is huge to, to our, our existence, right? Um, 
so how we walk is is crucial to to our daily lives absolutely it's it's something we all do for the most part right unless you know extenuating circumstances but it's a good measure that tells us what's going on in our body so the one thing that i want you guys to consider here and this is even if you're not just getting started this is for everybody is the way we walk, the, the way our steps are, that's going to tell us a lot of information. It's going to bounce back to what I was saying about, you know, range of motion, flexibility, you know, our physical strength and endurance. Um, if you have missteps in your gait, in your walk, what that's going to tell you is, okay, do you have imbalances or, or latent injuries, you know, that exist in your body that, that are causing issues? Uh, a lot of times missteps are caused or obviously are caused by by different muscles being too active versus the opposing muscle being loose and that's going to mess up how how our body's designed to to move so you know for example if you're you're walking and be conscious of, of the movement that you're doing so if you're feeling that your your body's a machine right so everything should be smooth and be you know, kind of crisp and feel right. You don't want to have, you want that machine to think of those old school trains that had the, the little sidebars on it, right? Everything's clean, crisp, moving in unison, nice and smooth and in sync. Your body's a machine. If it's, you're walking and it feels more like, you know, grinding and out of place and tight and loose when you at this part of the step and tight when you move this and this nags when you, when you put a little bit of pressure, those are all signs of there's, there's things to deal with. So with walking, because it's something that is so, it's very healthy for us, it's a critical part to our existence and our health. Include it more in your daily life. And when you're doing it, when you're walking, make sure you're conscious of what's going on, right? So with that, you know, that's, that's kind of a talking point there. You know, pay attention to what's going on. Talk with your uh, professionals on that. If you guys have questions or you're noticing things, by all means, you know, reach out to me. I'd be happy to, to, to talk with you and, and uh, help you with whatever questions you have on that. But let's just be more conscious in the steps we take. Excellent way to check that out. It's a good, it's, it's, it's a fundamental movement. It's, it's, part of our, it's part of who we are. It's part of what we need to be doing. All right, so let me move on here. So this is where I'm going to get a little bit into uh, the types of training, like what training actually means with foundation, you know, what kind of things to expect. Um, this is where I'll get into the little pretext here about what I was saying about um, if you're looking at hiring a trainer, this would be a great time that I would recommend above all else that you would do that, especially if you're for those of you that are getting started and that are beginners. Um, the reason I recommend this is because the first thing that first things first when it comes down to getting started and with any with getting going with any foundation program, whether you're getting started for the first time or you're coming back from injury or whatever the circumstance may be. What we got to do is identify your current levels of fitness and whatever imbalances or injuries that may be, you know, nagging or existing or kind of, you know, unnoticed or noticed and we just haven't taken care of. All right. Um, stuff like what, what I mean by imbalances and injuries. All right. So we touched on and I went into a little a little bit of detail there with our fundamental movement patterns. All right. So if in our fitness assessment, this is where, again, hiring a professional comes in because we need to assess what those current levels are. We need to know what we're starting at. And this can be a tricky point because a lot of individuals who have been active and then became inactive and now are getting active again, you're gonna have old injuries or definitely have some imbalances kicking around unless you know it's an exceptional case. For those of you that have been sedentary or you just haven't been very active and now you're getting active again, you also are gonna have imbalances because 
human beings, you know, we, we, we follow routine for the most part. Your bodies are most likely have gotten used to certain movement patterns all the time that have been imbalanced in the ways that we, you know, the amount of times we've performed them, which is going to create imbalances within our body. So uh, a little example I can use here that, that would be like an injury and also causes an imbalance. I'll use myself. I have a, uh, a problem with my left shoulder. I've done a whole whack little laundry list of things to it. Not important, but the big thing here is I have an imbalance. There's there's other kind of issues, but for the most part, the big issue, issue is there's an imbalance. The muscles of the posterior chain, so the back of my shoulder, including my lower trapezius, um, they're all loose and weak and, and not functioning properly. Whereas my chest, you know, my my the pec minor, pec major, my uh, anterior shoulder muscles, uh, deltoid, my bicep tendon, everything that kind of connects into the top of my chest, right where the front of my shoulder is, those muscles are all super tight and and, and overly strong. Not like strong and a, oh yeah, right on. No, like they're 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 holding on way too tight. They're not helping me move anything properly. They're just holding on, causing a bunch of problems because those muscles in the back of the shoulder, they're not working as hard. So if the muscles in the front are working double time and the muscles in the back are working half time, that's going to pull my shoulder forward. And now it's not stable in the joint. It's not sitting right. That's an imbalance. Now I have problems. Um, my range of motion isn't going to be at what it should be. My flexibility isn't right. The strength isn't good. The muscles that are working during certain movements are going to be taxed out more and become fatigued quicker and be more susceptible to injury because they're working overtime. So that's an example there of something that you'd want to identify. So moving in with that segue into the next step is once you've identified those, and like I say, it really helps to have to have a professional with you with that or have a friend that's you know knowledgeable, someone you trust. But you know, make sure you really focus on getting as much proper quality information as you can um, when you're getting started out and just know where you're at and know you know what battles you face ahead kind of going on to what we were talking about uh, last episode where I you know understand things are going to be hard but the more that you understand what you're getting into the easier it is to focus on the things that you're wanting to achieve all right don't get caught up on the things you already know Okay, so that's moving on here. So we've identified what our current levels of fitness are and any imbalances or injuries that occur um, that, that are latent or kind of lingering around. So now we need to mobilize. We need to get our body moving. We got to you know, get these imbalances in check, get everything working. Um, again, I can touch a little bit. You don't want to, with mobility, and, and I'm going to talk about flexibility and range of motion. Again, you don't necessarily want too much mobility or too much range of motion uh, because now your, your joint isn't stable or your, your body's not, you know, your movement isn't a, a stable movement. Um, but in the purposes of what we're talking about here, I'll get started on, like I say, with the shoulder. So with that situation, right, the, the muscles of the anterior part of my body, so the front part of my shoulder, everything that's all up in there, the pack, the bicep, head, tendon, head, and all that jazz, those guys are, are too tight and overactive. The muscles in the back are stretched out and they're overused and, and they're not being used properly. They're, they're under-functioning. Now, what we're going to do is not focus on strengthening those muscles in the back right away what we got to do is we got to get that flex we got to get that range of motion we got to improve the range of motion in the shoulder we got to get the flexibility i got to get that shoulder sitting right so what we're going to do there is we're going to work on stretching exercises um that can also boil into things like you know if you if you need to and it's 
um, it's at that point, again, this is where professional opinions come in, you know, that might also involve things like having athletic therapy or, you know, working in PNF stretching. I'll do another podcast on that. Those of you from FitBody, you guys kind of have an idea of what, uh, what that is. But it's also going to be stretches. And if you have to be doing active release therapy, you know, putting in some roller work, digging in with a, a lacrosse ball, um, having a massage therapist strip it out, whatever, whatever the case is, that may all be required. The reason for it is we want to get those muscles operating in the way that they should be. We don't want them overused. We don't want them holding on extra tight. We want them to work hard when we, want, when we need them to and in the capacity we need them to. We don't need them doing the job of three other muscle groups. All right. So that kind of puts that into play. So once we get that going, once we're opening up you know, the front of our shoulders, the front of our chest and all that and getting our, our range of motion improved, letting that shoulder kind of get back into place. Well, now we also have the problem in the back of the shoulders, the posterior part. So that's your rear delts, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, um, a bunch of those guys. So what we're doing there, your lower trapezius is involved, your rhomboids, it's the whole wax. So with that, we've got to make sure those guys now, now they're under functioning. So even though we fixed the front and this is something you do, you can start working in together. It's not, doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, one after the other. Um, but we've got to get that front part opened up. Now that that's opened up, all right, that's perfect. That's not going to be overworked. It's going to be keeping everything sitting decent. But the backside is still loose and weak. So now if we blow the shoulder out again because we go, we loosen up the front, we get all that back in order. Now we go, we return, you know, same old grind, and you don't do anything to strengthen the back. Well, now the back gives out because the front's doing its job. It's not overworking, but the back doesn't do its job. The back muscles, the posterior muscles, your, your reverse deltoids, all those, that ends your rotator cuff. You know, that ends up blowing because you haven't taken the time to strengthen that up. It's a weak link. So we improve the range of motion. We get the flexibility back in there, and now we have to stabilize that joint because we don't want it to be just flexible the whole way. We've got to make sure it's mobile, but it's stable. So make sure to start strengthening up those other muscles. Um, with doing that, a lot of times, again, there's, there's different, different things for therapy and stuff like that. Again, you want to be going for about 12 to 15 reps, uh, three to four sets, but I'll get into that a little bit more in a second. Um, with the proper technique, right? So what that boils into is now when we're doing these strengthening type exercises, all right? So we've done the stretches to, to get everything back, you know, to an oper a proper operating capacity. Now we got to strengthen up the muscles that, that are weak. Or just we got to strengthen up the movements. Let's say our, we're, we got a clean bill of health. All right. Now we got to, what goes in with proper technique is now we're improving our muscles endurance. So the ability for it to perform work for how long and the strength. And that means, you know, how much resistance can it handle in this sense. All right. So how long can you perform a movement or an activity and with what against what type of resistance? And the way that we improve those things is we go back to those primal movements I talked about. We encompass those. So now with the shoulder, now I need to be doing some pulling motions. And while I'm doing those pulling motions, I'm executing proper technique. I'm making sure it's those muscles of the back of my shoulder blades. So like I say, the, you know, the reverse delt, my, my traps, my lower traps, my upper traps, getting those guys all functioning and performing the motion when they're supposed to be working versus other muscles compensating for them. Um, so we're doing that and that's done obviously with proper technique. So you got to do that, follow that primal movement as best as possible. All right. How that translates again into actual resistance or movement based training is we want to get that endurance up and that strength. 
So we're going to be going for, again, there's, there's little things that you can tinker with this and make more specific, but for a general, um, a general start for people that are beginning, start with going for 12 to 15 reps, three to four sets. You want to be getting three to four workouts in a week. Uh, that's what I would recommend. And again, if you're going to be doing three to four sets, I'd say, you know, change it up a bit. Go try to favor that 15 rep range and then the last set, you know, for three sets and then the last set, increase your weight, try to challenge yourself. And if you end up only doing 12, hey, you still met your goals. Good job. That's still a victory to, to celebrate, right? Especially if you increased your weight or your resistance. Kind of boils into what we were talking about yesterday. So. Um, the other thing to add in there is we also need to be improving our cardio. That, that's a big thing, right? If we don't have our cardio, we're not going to be able to perform work for very long. Um, you want to be building that. It's, it's a critical part to your overall health and wellness as well. We want strong hearts. So um, how can we do that without just doing cardio? And I'll touch on cardio next. That's what I'll leave off with. Um, hopefully the podcast actually saves this time or I'm going to go nuts. Um, so with that, we're going... Uh, between your sets in in the movement based training or your resistance based training, you know where you're performing those those fundamental movement patterns in sets of fifteen reps to twelve reps three to four times for three to four times a week. Um, in between your your sets and your exercises, try to keep your rest around sixty seconds. You don't want to go up past ninety really, but try to keep keep the rest short, but long enough that you're able to recover. All right, we're keeping the our car our cardio working by keeping uh, we're keeping our cardio in, improving by keeping our heart rate up. Uh, you don't want to push too, too hard. Like, you know, if you're, you know, pointing out at 200 beats per minute, might be time to slow down, but you want to keep yourself working. You know, it's a workout. We're there to work. If you're not sweating half the time, um, again, that's not the only rule I shouldn't say. That. I'm not going to go down that road. Um, keep your minimum or keep your rest to about 60 seconds. Short and simple. All right. So moving on, guys, um, that's kind of your rules there. Again, if you need some ideas or um, you want more information on that, send me messages. Weedy11, W-H-E-A-T-Y 11 um, on Instagram. Uh, my email is wheatland, W-H-E-A-T-L-A-N-D dot J ooh, at gmail.com. Um, also, Jesse Robert on Facebook. You guys can reach me on any of that. All right, so lastly is cardio. Okay, um, a little bit to go over with this. I'll try to keep it, uh, wrap it up nice and nice and tight here. So uh, I'm going to start off with cardio. Again, there's a bunch of different uh, ways to go at this, you know, keeping things in, in shorter intervals. So like I was saying in the, the last segment there, keeping your rest to about 60 seconds. It's going to keep your heart rate up. It's going to keep you working. It's going to force your body to learn how to replenish that energy that you need um, using, you have a couple different energy systems. So in this case, you know, we're working on our energy system that lasts from about 10 seconds of work to, uh, to two minutes. So let's keep that in mind. That is still doing cardio work, but you got to expand. You don't want to just hone in on one thing. Um, so in terms of foundation, beginners, a lot of you guys, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're also looking around, you've been doing some reading. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of different ways to go about this. And the biggest thing I find is there's a lot of numbers. Um, a lot of you get programs that, you know, calculate this and calculate that. And again, it's if you like numbers, I'm not knocking on it. Um, they absolutely have their place. I'm not saying to ignore them, um, especially with cardio because, you know, they're, they're, we live in North America here for most of that. And uh Heart problems are, are epidemic, so we want to make sure that we're, we're doing good and not harm. Um, 
So I'll get on to some of the numbers here. The first thing, and these are the common guys that you always hear about and are random, you know, not randomly, are commonly brought up, is your maximum heart rate and your target heart rate. So I'll get into explaining these first and I'll give my little editorials on it after. Uh, For your maximum heart rate, again, the, not again, but the maximum heart rate, your calculation for that is 220 minus your age. Nice thing about the podcast we're setting is I actually have the math for this time. And for me, the example 220, I'm 27, 220 minus 27 would put me at 193. 193 is my maximum heart rate. I don't want to get close to that or above it or below it, right? Um, With that though, the the word of caution with maximum heart rate. Um, I'm going to talk about target heart rate next, but for numbers sake and what I'm going to get into, I'm also going to be listing another measurement and you see this in, in fitness literature as well. And it's, it's called your route, your rate of perceived exertion. And that's a number based on one to 10. So as I'm talking about numbers and things to give it, bear in mind, and I'm especially talk about maximum heart rate. Remember maximum heart rate is, is a, it's, it's a ballpark. It's a good, it's a good base to look at and give you an idea. You know, it points your your sights in the right direction, but it doesn't show you the road necessarily. Um, That's done by utilizing as much data as you can. You don't wanna just go with a number on a piece of paper. That number is not considering um, what kind of heart conditions you may have, what kind of health you may be in, um, any sort of biological variance. It's just strictly, you know, a general sort of calculation. So keep that in mind as you're, as you're you know, calculating these things out and, and keeping those numbers in your head. Um, also, a lot of times, you know, individuals that are getting started, not everybody has a heart rate monitor that you can sit there and, and record everything and get all the numbers. If you do, excellent. As much data as you have as, as possible is great. Um, but again, you need to use, you got to be able to have as, as many inputs as you can. So Moving on from that, for our maximum heart rate, for me, that'd be something like 193, right? Um, So when it comes down to what your target heart rate is, your target heart rate is going to be a percentage of your maximum heart rate. So if you're very, very basic, basic starting out, you know, very low exertion gets you going, then let's try to maintain our cardio, uh, our target heart rates at about 40 to 60%, even 40 to 50. Um, For those of you that are more, you know, more advanced or you have a, a more solid level of cardiovascular fitness to start from, you could be looking at about 65, 75, 80%. Um, for a general rule, you know, you want about 55, 60, no matter what. Again, pre-existing conditions, all that kind of stuff. Um, that, that makes things change up a bit. And that's the one thing too, guys, especially if you're getting started, a little quick note, make sure when you get, if you don't get a fitness assessment through a professional or, or seek some help, even for, for a couple sessions or, or whatever it may be, at the very least, please, please, please get a clean bill of health from your doctor. Make sure you go down, get yourself checked out. Um, you know, even if you feel healthy, chances are, if there's something there, you may not even feel it. Get it checked out. Make sure you're good to go. Okay, you only get uh, get one shot at the life. If you're trying to make yourself better, let's do everything we can to do that. Try to mi- minimize whatever setbacks could be possible. All right. So, little quick note on safety and, and health, and just looking out for you guys right there. Um, getting back to it. So, you know, the target heart rate that that just gives me a percentage and gives me an idea of, of how hard I should be working in terms of, um, you know calculatable numbers, numbers that I can see if I have a heart monitor and stuff like that. Um, so that's how you can look at those things. It's how you calculate your maximum heart rate, your target heart rates. Again, if you're you know just getting started, you're a go-getter, aim for that 60% with a clean bill of health. If you're somebody that's a, you know, a little bit more advanced level, 75%, guys. Let's, let's make sure we're working. 
All right, so the unit of measurement that I kind of hint or spoke about there a little bit beforehand here, and my personal preferred method, um, or at least my primary method, would be that rate of perceived exertion. So that's talking about how do you, so the first one's numbers, let's say self-explanatory. This one's based on how you feel. So a one would be, you know, you're basically sitting down in a chair recording a podcast. That might even be a two because it does get me going. But you got to lay, sit, you're sitting down doing nothing, just chilling. And uh, conversation's very easy to, to carry out. That would be about a one. A 10, you're working. There's no way you're having a conversation. You're just holding on to every breath, forcing that o- oxygen in and just hoping to dear heck that you can hold on to whatever activity you're doing and, and just make it through. All right, so a good way that uh, what I'm going to be doing, guys, as well is uh, on the Instagram. Uh, I've said it a bunch of times, say it one more time Weedy11, W H E A T Y 11. I'm going to be posting some images um, on the pod or on the Instagram that are related to things I talked about in today's podcast. So I'll be posting a picture of this chart. Um, that's a really good piece here, just to kind of give you an idea of uh, what the RPE scale is represents so it's one to ten ten being the, the you're working as hard as you've ever hard worked one being you're, you're just getting out of bed so as what they define a five as is the work you're performing is starting to be challenging starts to become challenging and conversation requires some more effort i really like how they use conversation as a as a gauge of how hard you're working um you know if you're if you're able to to, to work and you, you know you're, you're putting some effort in but you're able to chit chat and and you know have a have you know a couple words with a friend you know it doesn't mean you're not working but you're at about a four if you're working and now okay you got to think about that conversation you're having you're thinking okay taking every every couple sentences you're taking a second to stop making sure you're breathing steady still oh wait am i doing the motion right it, it's taking a little bit more effort you're not a hundred percent conscious in just the conversation itself now you're having to to allocate mental resources towards making sure that you're able to perform the movement that you are. That's at about a five, okay? So the reason why that's important, guys, and I'd highly recommend you go check it out, uh, that scale that I'm gonna be posting on the Instagram. Uh, but a good reason why I like using that is, you know, let's say your, your max, your target heart rate based on the numbers is, is 180. For whatever reason, let's say, if, you know, God forbid there's some sort of health thing or whatever the case may be, that 180, let's say for your body 170 is compromising and you're working at that, you're going to feel that RPE scale. You're going to feel if you're, if you're red light, pardon me, if you're redlining your, your body, if you're, you're maxing out your heart and it's, it's lower than what that number is saying or suggesting for your target heart rate, it's going to feel, you're going to, you're going to know something's up. You're going to be at that nine or 10, right? When, when according to the numbers, you shouldn't necessarily be there. So that's what I'm saying. Don't necessarily just go with the numbers. Also listen to your body. Our bodies, we, our bodies know more than we do, right? You give it nutrients, it turns it into other nutrients. We, we, I can't even explain how half that stuff works, right? But we know what happens and our body just does it. Think about breathing. You're just, you breathe without thinking about it. So our bodies know what's going on. Learn to listen to it. Pay attention to that. If you're feeling like you're, you're pushing that, that RPE scale, all right, lower it down. And then those numbers also give you good data. It's telling you, oh, hey, maybe I got to go get something checked out. Or, hey, maybe I got to be drinking less coffee throughout the day. Or, hey, maybe my adrenal system's taxed out because I take three scoops of pre-workout every time. Not looking at anyone, myself. So those kind of things, right, guys? So, again, it's, it's good to use as much data as you can and, and gauge not just by numbers but how you feel. Go with what your body's telling you. 
Um, all right, so the last part of what I want to touch on with cardio is just kind of give you an example of how we can structure out the cardio parts of our workout. I'm suggesting, like I say, 20 minutes, um, at least in the first week, as you see improvements, I'd say try improving it, uh, increasing the amount of time weekly. If you have to do it bi-weekly, that's fine. Set the goal, accomplish it, and celebrate the small victories, right? Whatever you can do to find improvement, that's a victory. That's moving forward. So where to start off with, uh, you can go with, like I say, 20 minutes, three to four times a week in the first week, obviously, right? Uh, we want to go five minutes, you're spending a warm-up, 10 minutes, you're performing whatever activity you can. Again, this is going to vary between people. Uh, for those of you that are beginning, a lot of times, even if you're just on the treadmill walking with a brisk pace, um, how we measure how hard we're working in that 10-minute phase, you want to be at about... Again, making depending on how your heart is and everything, try and gauge for about try and get in that you know fifty five sixty percent of your target heart rate. If that's exerting you too much, you know you're feeling like a seven or eight on that other scale, scale it back. But what's more important is in that ten minutes in the first week, you want to make sure you're you're hitting that four to five, at least four to five um, on an RPE scale. So again, a five is you know conversation starts to become you know requires some effort. If you can get a little bit higher than that, all the power to you. But like I say, that's 10 minutes and then the final five minutes, you're back into a cool down. You're bringing that RPE level down to about a three. Um, let's say, you know, 30% target heart rate, even 25, bring it down, slow it down, cool it off. Uh, that's five minutes. In week two, so that gives you 20 minutes total. Five minute warm up, 10 minute activity, five minute cool down. In the next week, if you can add 10 minutes or 15 minutes to your, uh, or go not add fifteen. If you can go five minute warm up, fifteen minute uh, activity, five minute cool down, awesome. If you can add, if you can only add two minutes, if you can only add three minutes, whatever it is. If you're adding thirty seconds, do it. Always work. Always work better than your last set. Better than your last day. Better than your last week, and set the bar. Don't necessarily set it super super high. Do that for your long term vision. For your daily goals, just do better than the last thing that you did. All right. So. There's an idea, guys, there. That's uh, some stuff for cardio. Kind of give you a little bit of a, a picture there of how you can kind of structure your cardio. There's other ways that we can get into that as well, talking about like interval uh, circuits. Like I was kind of saying, I've touched on that a bit with uh, the part about the resistance or movement-based training, you know, keeping a rest down to 60 seconds. But that I will touch on in future podcasts. That is it for now. I want to thank everybody for listening and bearing with. This is the second uh, episode here of the Wheatland Fitness Podcast. Uh, the third recording, like I said. So hopefully, guys, this one was a little better for you. Um, try to keep everything as shorter as I could, but there's a lot of information to go over. So thank you again for tuning in. Like I say, guys, reach out. Um, if there's anything that you want me to touch on or speak about, uh, if you have questions or concerns, anything like that, send me your feedback. Wheatland.j at gmail.com. Weedy11 on Instagram. I've spelt that out 40 times. I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing it. And then Jesse Robert on Facebook. Those are the ways I'll be having this up as soon as I can. And tomorrow I'll be recording the next installment or episode. And it's going to be under the same category, uh, getting started. So kind of beginner driven. And we're going to be talking about routine. So this can expand outwards too for those of you that aren't beginners, but you just struggle with, with staying consistent or finding a routine and, and, and having some stability. 
that's what we're going to be touching on next. And it's, uh, it's another category I have a lot to say about. So thank you again for listening in. I will talk to you guys next time. Feel free to reach out. And uh, yeah, till later, guys. Thanks.